It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's to the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and it's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. And it's day number three of training camp. It might actually be day number one because I think the first two days were mini camp. But whatever, it doesn't matter at this point. You get the idea. They're playing football, and that's what we've been looking forward to for a while. So, of course, to recap the day, we got the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And above all of that, of course, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. So, Chris... Let's start with this. Makai Becton, big guy, right? Very big guy. Uh, I don't know if anybody has heard. Um, <laughs> we are uh, we are already approaching the, hey, did you know Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard uh, portion <laughs> of Makai Becton's career? Um, and here's the thing. I'm going to continue to be guilty of this because it's not just that he's a big guy. It's because he is massive. Uh, but that enough, and it, it would be enough in itself. But it, when you see him move the way he moves, you it's just like, what? This doesn't make sense. This shouldn't be a, a, a allowed according to the laws of physics and gravity. And like, it, it doesn't. So those two combinations, and I, I'm sorry to all you fans, but you're going to hear it a bunch and we're all going to be guilty of it. And even as I'm like aware of this and I'm going to try to scale it back, I'm still going to do it because he's so large, but he can move so well. Uh, but it, I got a huge kick out of it today. We'll, we'll get to it. Just, um, you know, us reacting to it is one thing, watching the players react to it and them talk about it, it is a whole different thing. Indeed it is, and we will get to that because we're going to get to the quotes that we heard after practice coming up later on. But first, let's actually talk about Makai Becton. Some really good moments for the rookie again today, particularly pancaking Neville Hewitt, although there was one player on the defense who took advantage of his inexperience. Yeah, Jordan Jenkins got the rookie, and he got him good. Uh, They were just doing one-on-one drills, uh, rushing drills, and uh, Jordan Jenkins lined up like he was going to rush the edge on him. Uh, I, I didn't have the best view to see if he was teetering, trying to bait him or not. But that that they simulated that snap. And Jordan Jenkins, instead of going around the edge, just clean went across his face, hit him with the swim, and went right past him. Makai started moving towards the edge. Next thing you know, he's, he's like, oh, I'm trying to reach out, and there's nothing he can do. Uh, it was really a beautiful move by Jordan Jenkins. It was a smart move by Jordan Jenkins, but it was definitely uh, I got you, Rook. Uh, it was definitely a vet uh, pulling the move on the rookie. Um, 
And, you know, that that's going to happen. And I'm sure Jordan Jenkins has a couple other tricks up his sleeve for him that he's going to get him with in these next couple of days. But uh, he taught he taught Mackay Beckton a very valuable lesson there. And it, he's going to have to add that to his arsenal to be ready for. So uh, it was definitely good to see. It was uh, Jordan Jenkins' energy throughout practice was funny, but uh, he, he was definitely like, ah, yeah, I got you, Rook. Let's talk about Jenkins since we're on the subject of him. He had a good day other than just the Beckton play, right? Yeah, he was all over the place. Uh, he was disruptive. He was, uh, the, you know, dropping back a little bit in coverage. He was good against the run, but he was uh, giving the offensive line a lot of fits. Um, and he was he was also out there just having a lot of fun doing uh, uh, drills, special team drills, taking part in them, blocking uh and him and Neville Hewitt were going up against each other. It, it was definitely he had he kind of assumed the Jamal Adams role for a day, where he w- he was the giant ball of energy bouncing around, kind of not as loud as Jamal, but he was definitely the loudest person out there on the field today. It was good to see he was it, he was out there having a lot of fun, but he was definitely making plays today. He had slightly better luck against the offensive line. Than Henry Anderson did apparently because, as I understand it, Connor McGovern was throwing him around like a rag doll. Oh my God! So Henry Anderson just tries to get past McGovern, and I mean, like he might as well have been trying to get past the China, the Great Wall in China. Like, like there was just nothing <laughs> he could have done, and like uh, Connor McGovern. Big normal uh, for a normal human being. We're comparing the Kai Becton, much much smaller. This shouldn't have been a problem, but there he was just just stonewalled. He just stopped in his tracks, and there was nothing he could do. And you know, I, I watch anytime I get to see these one on one drills with the offensive line, I and mean, it's probably my favorite part of anything that happens in camp is watching those. Um, <clears throat> you'll you'll see, you know. Offensive linemen get random wins against players they have no business getting random wins against. But this this was such a dominant win that, that like I can't not talk about it. He just absolutely stonewalled him, stopped him dead in his tracks, and it was it, Henry Anderson seemed helpless at that point. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. 
Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Sam Darnold, of course, the guy that everybody's going to be looking at above everybody else, with the possible exception of Mekhi Becton, only because, as we've established, Chris, he's pretty big. But Sam Darnold is very, very important to this team's success this year, so all eyes are going to be on him. How'd he do today? Yeah, also, you can look out at the field and like not see Sam Darnold because he's <laughs> surrounded by giant men, <laughs> where that is not the case, where uh, Mekhi Becton is the eclipse blocking, blocking out the rest of the, the sun. Um, but yeah, he looked, he had another solid day. Um, he didn't have anything nearly as good as the uh, 50 yard, uh, bomb the pyramid, uh, yesterday. Uh, but he, he was on, like he, he wasn't, he wasn't missing. Uh, like there was some drops and some missed passes, but it, that was probably on the receivers. Uh, and he, he looked, he looked really good. Now he didn't do anything crazy impressive today, but it was also, he didn't do anything bad and it was all really solid from him. And again, you can see just the way he moves, the way he controls the offense, how much more comfortable he is, how much with just everything, just with the team, with leading the team, with the understanding the in and outs of the playbooks, what they're going to do. Like, and you know, in these practices, they break it down into sections and like, there's no hesitation. He knows, all right, we just finished this part of a practice. It's on to this part of practice. And there's, there's no looking around waiting for somebody to tell him what to do. He, he's, he knows exactly what he's supposed to do at every second of practice now. Ashton Davis apparently has some range. Nice to see with the rookie. Yeah, he had one really nice uh, breakup. He got beat. Um, he got beat twice. One of them was pretty bad. Uh, not pretty bad, but it, it wasn't great. Uh, another one uh, was really close. But it, his range is just obvious. Like, just being able to stand back there and watch him go sideline to sideline and cover, see how much ground he can cover um, is really impressive. So that was good to see. Like I said, it wasn't <clears throat> a, a huge day performance-wise, but you could see the range. It was evident to see how much ground he had to cover. And there was times where I was like, whoa, you're way too far away from where you should be right now. And then he took three steps, and I was like, I take that all back. You were exactly where you needed to be. Luckily for him, though, he didn't have to cover Chris Herndon, who looked great today. Yeah, Herndon. Jameson Crowder talked about it yesterday, about him as the X Factor. Uh, you know, I, I talked about this on the pod. And today, you could see it, it was proven. He, 
everything I said yesterday about how the Jets really need someone like Herndon. They need that type of weapon that was on display today. Um, he made some. He made a diving one-handed catch. He made some really impressive uh, grabs. And again, just his size and speed, the way he can move, he prevent uh, presents a, a weapon for Darnold that they don't have anywhere else. And if something happens to him and he can't play, that's that's just a weapon that they'll lose. Um, he he provides something that they desperately need, and that was on full on display today. He had he had a really strong practice. The other safety, aside from Ashton Davis, is Marcus May that everybody was talking about, but for a reason many didn't expect. He's supposed to be the center fielder, the free safety, yet through three practices, he's been used as the man in the box. Look it up, kids. Alice in Chains, great song back in the 90s. You had to be there, the grunge movement. It was tremendous. Anyway, he's been the box safety, which a lot of people didn't think was going to happen. You think this is still some experimentation, or does Greg Williams maybe think he's got something there? Yeah, well, we'll start with, you know, my rule is typically, um, I don't. If I see something in one practice, I don't like to just to even mention it. Uh, oftentimes, I'm forced to because other reporters will bring it up. But the, the coaches do this a lot in practice with the training camp, where they'll just try things for a day. Or maybe they're just doing it for a day because of injuries. Uh, like, I've so many times I've seen something tried out for a day to never go back to again. So I'm always just like, ah, they're just experimenting. Wait, and then if we see it for a couple of days, I'll say something. And now this is three days in a row that we've seen it. And not only have has we seen it three days in a row, but I'm watching Marcus May and I'm like, they might have something here. Because Marcus May was the one guy who stopped Herndon today, um, and like I, I don't, I still don't understand how he uh, was able to stop this pass. But Herndon was going across the middle. He had Marcus May had no business deflecting it, but just reached, put his hand up, and just swatted the ball away. Um, it was another play that Darnold had a, hit a little bootleg, didn't have anything else, just dumped it to Herndon for like two or three yards. And the pass was completed, but Marcus May would have just railed him right in the back and knocked him over for an easy tackle right away. <laughs> and Marcus May was lined up against receivers in the slot, not just the tight end. Everybody that was in front of him, Marcus was right on their hips. So, I, you know, was um, Greg Williams looking? All right, let's just see what we can get out of McDougal here. Let's see what we can get with Marcus May in the box. Let's let's see what we get here. Um, but th I can see a reason for Greg to stick with it now because uh, Marcus May is excelling at this in this moment. Now, again, training camp, so uh, take what, what you will. Well, we'd have to see if it'll play out that way in the season and regular real-life games. But right now – I, I can see a vision, and I'm not expecting Greg Williams to just switch it up tomorrow. Um, and, you know, maybe this will pave the way more for May to be more in the box, and then they can ease Ashton Davis into the free safety role, and McDougal can just kind of be a placeholder. Because the thing that was so shocking to me about it, and granted, 
I haven't paid super close attention to Seattle defense the last couple of years. Generally, when I'm watching them, I'm focusing more on Russell Wilson. But what I saw from McDougal was really solid box safety, not somebody I would expect you to want as your single high safety. So maybe if they lean with May, that can open the door for Ashley Davis coming later. But right now, I'm seeing that there could be something to playing Marcus May in the box. So we'll still see because, again, I'm a, a, a fan of May's game. So I still think he can be uh, really solid, really good uh, in the free safety spot. But maybe this just – we know Greg Williams likes to mix it up. So maybe they're focusing that more on him now and they can – uh, rotate and play back and forth with each other. Because um, I, I, I'm i certainly not expecting Marcus May to be like a solely box safety now going forward, no matter how good he is at that. But there, there, there seems to be a little something to this right now. With the injuries, some guys that normally wouldn't get as much playing time are getting chances. Austin, Hairston, Millette, and of course, Blake Cashman. Are they making the most of the opportunities? Yeah, well, Cashman uh, Cashman had a pretty good day as well. He got uh, – Mekhi Becton got him pretty good. Not quite as good as he got Neville Hewitt, but he got him pretty good. Um, and then uh, he he had a, cu- a couple other really nice plays, though, and he seems to be really comfortable. He talked after practice about um, when he had the injury to his shoulder last year, he got the surgery – with the Jets doctors, so he was able to stay around and he was able to still go to meetings and watch film with the team. So he's way more comfortable with this defense and with the system, and he knows what he's supposed to do. And you can see that a little bit out on the field as well. Uh, So he's definitely taking advantage of it. Right now, um, receivers, I'm not seeing anyone step up, taking advantage of it. I haven't seen any cornerbacks stepping up, taking advantage of anything yet. But uh, that he he seems to be taking the most advantage out of the situation right now. But again, training camp last year he looked phenomenal throughout training camp and even preseason, and then he he that fell off pretty quickly. But that could just be still him being new with the system and being a rookie. So there there's reasons to be hopeful going forward with him, Chris. Every year, there's a training camp legend at wide receiver, somebody that gets a lot of press, a lot of attention, and then ultimately ends up not making the team. Last year, it was Tim White. In the past, of course, we've had David Clowney. We've had Clyde the Glide Gates. Or even if these guys make the team, they don't do anything. But these are training camp sensations. Jeff Smith, talk to me on this one. One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> because, uh, listen, uh, we were joking about it yesterday. Uh, and I brought up David Clowney. Now, that was that was a before-my-time uh, one. But I remember watching the preseason and watching him go off in the preseason and then what happened with the rest of his career. Um, I, you know, the Clyde Gates was one of the first ones that I was here for. Uh, it, it's funny because Rob, Robbie Anderson was the only one of those guys who actually stuck and actually turned out to continue to be good. And I remember watching Robbie when he started to emerge and being like, all right, I've seen this before. Hey, something's going to happen. He's going to fall off. And it, it never really happened with him. Um, he's the only one that it's happened with. The thing here is 
don't disrespect the legend of Clyde Gates by putting Jeff Smith in this conversation right now. <laughs> I'm sorry, Clyde Gates. I apologize for the disrespect. Let's talk a little bit of injury news here, Chris. What are we looking at here? Okay, so we got a, a bunch of minor injuries. We're still waiting with Avery Williamson, too. Um, and there, there seems to be uh, – some sentiment about reporters that he might be pup listed, might not miss, uh, be ready. Uh, but it, it's still some of a, uh, vagueness there. Uh, you know, Gay said, uh, you know, he would love for him to be able to go tomorrow, but he's not sure. Um, Cameron Clark still got the shoulder. Uh, Mims, obviously, with the hamstring. Vincent Smith, the core. Um, <clears throat> Brian Poole still uh, being held out with dehydration. I, I want I just Pierre Desir with the hamstring, Travis Ross with the groin, but I I really there's nothing major here. Maybe the Avery Williamson thing, um, but that had already happened. I just I've seen a lot on Twitter where people are kind of freaking out about the injuries and what's going on and the training staff. And listen, we we talked about this a lot last season with Adam Gase and with the injuries they had and. Never blame that just on a coach or anything in any one season, but that was a problem he had in Miami. I'm not blaming any of this on anything except for the long layoff this year. Uh, there, uh, This is why they had all that extra time built in to con- strength and conditioning in a ramp-up period. And they're, they're still only allowed certain to uh, a certain amount of time for practice, shorter than normal, Tomorrow they get like to add like 10 minutes more to it. They're doing this. And the reason why the players were so adamant about this period was because they expected a ton of soft tissue injuries. They expected a ton of these types of injuries to pop up. That's what happens when you go from not really working out to just full team stuff. Um, So this should be expected. And I guarantee if you look around the, uh, all of the other teams in the league, They've all got five to eight guys that are being held out with hamstrings and dehydration. This is not something that you can blame on the the training staff. It, it just seems absurd. Like this should have been expected. And I, I really need fans to stop being like, "What's going on with these injuries?" So no reason to panic then about the injuries, Chris, which apparently matches the tone of the head coach Adam Gase, who spoke after practice. He talked about the injuries. What else did he talk about? Yeah, he, again, uh, he talked about the injuries, which, again, they're almost all uh, soft tissue injuries, groin, hamstring, uh, core, uh, quad, the dehydration. Um, he, he talked about them getting a little bit more time tomorrow, pra- increased practice. This is just one of these things that, you know, is a little bit different this year and everybody has to make adjustments to. Uh, he, again, talked about uh, – Makai Becton, uh, 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 specifically about the block on Neville Hewitt. You rarely see a 370-pound guy, guy move the way he does. and It's hard to explain what it feels like when you're standing next to him. And let me tell you, as a reporter, how many times I've sat, stood in front of a NFL player, especially like a lineman, and have to like basically almost stand on my tippy toes to get my recorder like close enough for their face. And Mackay Becton is even bigger than any of these other guys I did that. So that's a very real thing. Um, he talked still about how they're doing the meetings, like uh, 
team meetings and stuff is still virtual. Says once they start uh, breaking down into smaller groups, he hopes that they'll be able to do some in-person stuff. But it's still virtual. And he says everyone seems to be fine with it. Every once in a while, there might be a little bit of a, you know, a glitch in the stream or something with pointing out film or someone's talking, but they've all been able to adjust to it pretty well. Um, And then, yeah, he talked, he talked about uh, Greg Williams with, in relation to Cashman and then also in relation to Becton and like what Becton as a rookie can gain from being able to play across from a Greg Williams defense, seeing so many different looks, seeing so many different fronts, how much that will help prepare Becton for the season. Uh, Cause you know, he, he's not just worrying at uh, practicing just against a four, three. He's going, Greg's running three, four, he's running the nickel, he's running quarters, he's running all these different things. And so now Becton will get to experience all these different things before the season, at least on some front. So that that's something that any case said that, you know, that's one of the biggest reasons why he brought him in, why he really likes Greg Williams. Um, so the, those were the big, big keys that Gase hit on. Three players spoke after practice, Frank Gore, Neville Hewitt, and Blake Cashman. What did they have to say? They all had to say that Mackay Becton is a large man. <laughs> that's what they all had to say. Now, in fairness, they were all asked about him. Neville Hewitt, again, was asked about him because of the pancake block that uh, that he got. But his answer was, was, yeah, yeah, he caught me. He came off the ball really good. I was impressed. If you see him coming, you better go at him because if you're off guard, he's going to get you. Um, <laughs> and he was the only one of the three that was wearing a mask during our video conference. I could see the smile through his face as he was talking. Um, Frank Gore, man – Frank Gore, every time somebody was getting ready to ask him a question about Beckton, he cut the reporter off like first syllable of Beck. Here, here, Beck, and he just huge smile comes on his face, and he's cutting uh, reporters off to answer the question because he's huge. Um, somebody asked him his first impressions on him on uh, Beckton, and he, he he goes big as. And then just quietly mouthed the F word there. Um, <laughs> he then they let him follow up. He cut him up uh, again. He can move. Uh huh. Hmm. And he just sat there and he was just. He actually. This was a funny thing that I said. He said he went and he watched a tape of Beckton after he got dra- after the draft. And said, there was nothing else to do. So he just decided, hey, I'm just going to watch some tape of Mackay Becton here. Um, that's that's how the whole, uh, the uh, Frank Gore spent his time uh, during this quarantine is watching Louisville tape so he could see the new uh, left tackle for the Jets. Um, he also just talked about, you know, his role as uh, the elder statesman, the veteran, uh, his approach to the game, how much like. He wasn't able to practice on Friday, that first day of practice, and how much that bothered him because he wanted to show everybody that he's all in, that he's going to do everything else that they're all going to do. He doesn't want any special treatment because he's the old vet. And just he just talked about his love of the game, how much he loves the game, uh, wanting to prove people wrong who think that he brought up the age of 28 multiple times because that's, you know, 
seems to be the magic number we're placing on running backs now. Um, he's been in this league 16 years, so he's obviously well past that, but he's still going strong. Uh, he talked about how he thought he could have had a 1,000-yard season last year, but the Bills were obviously going to the young, talented back in Singletary. <clears throat> and he still has all the faith in the world that he can do what's needed. Uh, he thinks him and Le'Veon complement each other really well. They get along well, so that that's a good tandem that he, he, he expects to be able to do good things. And then he talked also talked about with Becton. He said Becton came up to him and was like, yo, I got you. I'll clear a path for you, take you wherever you need to go. And Brett was yeah, I like that. I like that. <laughs> he, I, he, he got right off of that first impression besides big and he can move was, all right, this guy, this guy knows exactly what's up. He, he knows what I'm looking for. That's smart, Chris, because whenever you go somewhere new, you want to make friends with the guy who's the most entrenched, the one who everybody looks to as the respected leader. You want to make that guy happy. So Makai Becton being smart, I think his parents taught him well about how to fit in. Yeah, absolutely. I will also flip it, though, and say it's smart of Frank Gore. Mm. Because when you see when you come to across a guy who all anyone can talk about is about how large that man is and how well that large man can move, you want to you want to be friends with that guy. This is definitely true. It's like My Bodyguard, but the 2020 edition. If you never saw that movie, go look it up. It was a good movie back in the 80s. Adam Baldwin was the star of it, and it was basically a movie about a kid who got picked on, and he went and got an older, bigger kid to watch his back. I guess it's sort of the opposite in one way because now you've got the older guy, the respected veteran who has the young giant kid watching his back. But still, this could be an interesting remake. And I personally think, Chris, that Frank Gore and Makai Becton as the two stars would gross plenty of money here in 2020. Yeah, that, that would... Uh... That would definitely be an interesting movie. I'd watch it, that's for sure. <laughs> so would I. Chris Nimbley, the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang, and of course, a very big deal over at JetsInsider.com. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. We'll talk about camp again tomorrow. In the meantime, I'm sure you've got plenty written up over at JetsInsider.com. Yeah, I'm just finishing up an article from today now. Uh, I'll have that up by the time this is posted. And then we'll keep going forward with, uh, you know, my observation articles. And today, today was a little weird still at practice, but much, much more normal feeling. The the weirdest things were once we realized that this uh, time of year, camp is usually ending and breaking right around now. And then the fact that now uh, I got home from practice, I'm talking to you and there's an NBA playoff game on my TV. Those are the two weird things now. Everything else is pretty much getting back to some type of normalcy for uh, football purposes. So I'll be able to focus a lot more on just what's happening on the fields, and I'll have plenty of that for you coming up. Go ahead and read Chris's very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. Follow him on Twitter at CNimbly and at JetsInsider. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.